the Blue Bomber Podcast. That is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast. Greg Mackling, Derek Taylor with you for, I guess it's sort of a relaunch of the Blue Bomber Podcast. Pandemic took it away last season. We pondered, we wondered, we thought, should we do this again? Well, it's taken us this long to decide, Derek Taylor. What the heck? Let's get the gang back together. How are you doing, brother? I, I'm doing well. Are we qualified to be doing a Blue Bomber podcast? Like, Well, you well, are. Uh-huh. You are. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm qualified to maybe drive the bus a little bit, uh, but all the expert additions and expert voices that we'll hear uh, on the podcast from week to week, I think are more than qualified, and you're right at the top of the, the list, my friend. Well, I, I do go to practice all the time, and I sit there and watch and figure out which third stringer is playing ahead of which fourth stringer. So at least I can contribute that. I, I hope to I hope to do you proud, brother. Okay, so, uh, you know, before we jump into this, you've been the voice of the Blue Bombers for a year now. But, you know, over that, over that time, how's it gone for you? How's the transition been? And I think we can be honest in the discussion with regard to you know, following in the footsteps of not just a Winnipeg legend, not just a broadcasting legend, but a Canadian football league legend. So you have to answer this question in every CFL market. Do you not? How's it going? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because uh, Bob Irving, who did games before I did, started doing games the year I was born and he just stopped doing them in advance of the 2022 season. So it's, it is daunting, but I mean, from my perspective, at least I didn't come in not knowing how to do a CFL broadcast, right? I'd done it for, you know, three years. I'd been the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So, you know, came to my senses and came to Winnipeg, but I had that going for me. And honestly, the biggest thing was that the entire cast of characters that, that Bob had in his show stuck around. Right. If if Doug Brown decided, hey, you know what, I, I, I've been doing this for a decade with Bob. I don't really feel like moving and training up some new guy and teaching him how this happens. I would have totally understood that because that's that's a big ask from from Doug and and you and Ed Tate and, and everybody who was a part of the original one stuck around for my first year, which made it very easy for me. I just had to come in, you know tweak the things I wanted to tweak, not mess it up, and then drive some conversation among people who know and love Canadian football and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So I was I was very fortunate the way it all the way it all played out in advance of my arrival. Well when people ask me about you and whether or not I like you or I get along with you, I lie to them through my teeth and say that we have this terrific friendship and that that everything is wonderful and that I, I have so much respect for no you know genuinely <laughs> DT uh your prepar- six hours to vagina and that's what I get for great couple oh, man. No, we had to come back together. We we didn't uh, we didn't phone we didn't phone home and say uh, I'm not driving home with this character so i think yeah we've had the 12 hour road trip round trip so i think yep. we're i think we're we're rock solid for the foreseeable future but if i may say before we really get underway here how many times you watch each and every game because you chart every single play you you look at the different formations almost like you're a quarterback out there like you are the you are the doctor of the CFL so just talk about how you prepare and the work that you do in the off season in order to chart tendencies of different players and uh, different coaches and different teams yeah so i'm just actually looking at the database now cuz i was doing so, some work and i started tracking every play in the CFL back in 2015. I felt like I kind of needed something to do during the CFL season. So literally every play from 2015 to present. So I believe that's 84,288 plays are in my database. So uh, I just, I wanted to know, right? I wanted to be able to hold a conversation with someone like a Doug Brown who played the game for more than a decade and is a Hall of Famer and can really tell you about how systems are supposed to work and what's supposed to happen and what players are supposed to do and think and believe and and you know what what ranges of of things can happen so i I wanted to be able to one you know figure out answers to questions that i had about the game and two to be able to drive conversation with folks like doug because the worst thing you can do is go oh doug they really got to get inspired for the second half hey as opposed to you know 
Wow, that, that running back run game is really punishing the the Bombers so far this season. They're allowing three yards before contact, Doug, which is an incredible number, and it's got to be demoralizing to some extent. And Doug goes, yeah, when you're getting a run all over, this is, this is just the worst. Um, but it also helps you tell stories during the season, right? Uh, the Bombers last year moved Rashid Bailey from a slot back position to wide receiver. And I went back and I looked and I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? He's had, I think the numbers were 109 career targets and only something like eight were ever come from a set position. He'd had the waggle for the other 101. And I went, well, okay, well, there's a story for a day at training camp is how is Rashid Bailey going to do when he doesn't have the benefit of the waggle? Because that's all he's ever known in the Canadian Football League. It's there's a there's a ton that I've been able to kind of pull out when you have a million numbers, you know, at least 50 of them are going to be relevant to something. Uh, and it's all it's all kind of worth it. But it uh, it it takes a lot of time. But I'm the kind of guy I just I want the answer. And when I find out it takes 20 hours to get the answer, I just kind of put my head down and go, all right, well, that's what uh, that's that's the answer I want. So I better find my way to get to that. And that's that's kind of what drives this all for me. I, I kind of don't know any other way to experience the CFL. I may, in some cases, lose the forest for the trees, if you know what I mean. I may not get, you know, what the BC Lions are trying to do with how they attack teams defensively, but I can tell you, okay, well, this guy's pretty good, and this guy did a lot of this, and doop-a-doop-a-doop, and this guy in coverage was unbelievable because teams are getting five and a half yards per target off him when they when they throw in, into his coverage, right? So it it really helps me kind of understand and process the game that way. Well, I think some of us will say that out loud. Uh, that uh, uh, Well, here's one. Here's one for you. I know the conversation with regard to the run game and the run game being so critical mm. in the playoffs or, or at any time of the year in terms of setting up the pass. And we all believe that. Malarkey. Because we've been told that for probably the entire time we've been watching and digesting football, the analytics, the numbers would say that's not exactly the case. Well, exactly. And then people will will take analytics to say, well, that's just numbers. Like, no, it's it's the history of football. The recent history of football and how professional coaches use professional running backs, and this one drives Doug Brown bonkers because he he is very much an established the run guy and what it what it can do. Uh, and and he's been in the middle of that. But when I look at this, this one is absolutely my favorite in the whole world, and I'll hold on to it forever till everybody comes to my side. But the, the thought is, you run the ball early, you establish the run, and you're going to win football games. What we find is that when in the first three quarters of a CFL game, the team that wins the game runs the ball with the running back for 5.3 yards per carry. The team that loses the game averages 5.2 yards per carry. So... The difference between winning and losing in, this, in establishing the run is one-tenth of a yard per running back carry. And oh, by the way, they carry the ball in those first three quarters about one more time. Now, the difference in passing the football is dramatically different. On, on a drop back, it's 1.6 yards difference in favor of the team that wins. So I look at that and go, okay, well, they, they run the ball a fraction more and they run it you know, 2% better. But their passing is much better, significantly better when they throw the ball. So to me, I look at that and go, well, establishing the pass is way more important than establishing the running back. And then we go down rabbit holes of does it matter who's at running back for a team, la, la, la. And you find out, well, it kind of doesn't, except in very exceptional circumstances. But that one, that one gets me in a lot of trouble because what we see in the fourth quarter is – uh, the Bombers are up 12, and now all of a sudden the running back is going nuts, and he gets 60 yards in the quarter, and the run wins the game. And you neglect the fact that Zach Kalaris threw three touchdowns in the first three quarters, and that's what got them a two-score lead. Well, you know, and hopefully Kyle Milroy will will bleep this out uh, if he finds it necessary. But, you know, that's the analytical side. But that doesn't mean you don't have emotion when you're watching football oh. and with regard to the strategies that are being implored or, or just a, a great play because I know that you and I will watch games together and we'll be texting back and forth. And you and I both hate chicken football. 
when coaches don't make decisions that seem to make sense. And we'll talk about two point converts maybe another time, because there's a whole, I think we could do a whole 20 minutes on the idea of going for a two point convert versus a, the single convert, particularly, particularly in the CFL. But the, that, that doesn't mean you, you watch and enjoy and dissect uh, this game uh, that, that we love so much without emotion. Oh no, absolutely! Because ultimately, at at its core, right, it's it's guys who who get paid and they get paid to play a game. Like that's that's kind of at its base. It's way more than that because I mean, you think of how much work the you know the twenty five year old rookie had to do to even get a shot at pro football, to even play college football, but to get a shot at pro football. And then oh by the way, this is a massive step up for most guys who who now come to a CFL camp and they're they're just they they want to play football that's it's the thing they know and they love it so much they want to keep going and you know uh, anybody who who played football at any point i stopped playing after high school because i was awful and the school i went to didn't offer offer football but you go <laughs> man i would have loved to squeeze out a couple more years so i'm i'm rooting for this guy to to keep going the bombers punter carl schmitz at 36 his life is broken right that he hasn't played in a professional regular season football game in his life and he's still trying at 36. He was uh, he was the the old guy, you know, the old rookie in a, in a preseason story for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in 2015. Like, oh, this 28 year old rookie's still after it. And that story was eight years ago. <laughs> and Carl's life has broken right that you know his his work and his work outside of football has allowed him to stay around football and to keep the dream alive. And the guy's in impeccable shape at the age of 36. And you go. I love that story so much because he he's been able to hold on to this this dream that you see guys that are 24 have to go I have to give this up because medical school or I'm going to be a firefighter or something and I would love to but this is too much to pass up I I just I just love it I when the CBA was up I want I said I want more minimum salary for these guys because I want them to be able to hold on to their dream of playing pro football and every guy who's who's playing in the CFL, most every guy, uh, looks at it and goes, well, "If I if I go if I play the way I think I can, I can maybe make the NFL and maybe get zillions of dollars and and retire and change my entire life from this game and from my dedication to this game." I I get down to some of that, and there's a there's a bunch of other ways in which I enjoy it, but the but the human aspect of these guys get to keep chasing their dream. I, I, I'm just irresistibly drawn to that. Well, we'll endeavor to tell some of those stories throughout the season, through the podcast. And of course, you can count on Derek to draw those stories out all week during his coverage on 680 CJOB. And one of the great stories in Canadian football, I don't care. Uh, I grew up a Blue Bomber fan. I detested Mike O'Shea as a Toronto Argonaut. I hated him as a Hamilton Tiger Cat because he was just so bloody good on special teams he could change the the complexion of a game with a single play which happens so often in the cfl on special teams derek so what is it like to work with essentially with the coach on monday nights and then to be around him and what do you think separates mike o'shea from other coaches in the canadian football league what do you think makes him just so successful i I here. This is my hypothesis of what makes O'Shea so successful. Like he, he would seem to me to be near ideal a player's coach. Like he's he's a Hall of Fame football player. So he's got that pedigree. You occasionally hear a guy mention that hey, coach is in the Hall of Fame because uh, they they've learned that about about him. But I think just from conversations I have with him, he gets it. Like he gets what twenty twenty three athletes are where they've been and what that what they need to to go forward and be successful and he almost religiously takes focus off of especially himself but the coaching staff as well and says this is about the players this game is about the players and the players are going to win and the players are going to win games for us we're going to put them in their best spot to win but he gives all the all the credit to the players when he goes he'll he'll give credit to his other coaches as well and and essentially take none of it for himself but he he gets it. He he gets what players I think what players want and and what they need to be the best versions of themselves. And he seems to really stress bringing in good people. I think any anybody listening, you you know your office, you know your workplace. If there's bad people in there, it just makes 
it can make going to work an absolute chore. I can't believe I have to get up and be at the office at 4 a.m. and work with that person, right? They they seem to really focus on making sure that while also being a good player, this guy is a good person and a guy who will get along with what we have. There, it's It's got to come down to, I think the word culture gets overused, but it's got to come down to some form of culture to, to think that, Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat and Adam Big Hill, and Stanley Bryant and Jamarcus Hardrick, and on and on and on. Kenny Lawler this year. These guys could get more money, and in some cases, way more money if they were willing to go somewhere else. But they're not willing to go somewhere else. And Kenny Lawler this year took 70, 80 grand less to come back to Winnipeg. How many of us are leaving 70 or 80 grand on the table? Okay, that's not, not many. And then what would have to be on the other side of it to to actually say i'm going to i'm going to take a what is it a one fifth reduction one fourth reduction in my salary how good would it have to be and would i have to know it has to be so when i look at that and when i look at they're able to keep these stars where other teams watch theirs walk away go there's there has to be and i don't say this at all hyperbolically there has to be something very special going on within that organization to to make this possible because there were there were stories that Willie was offered like 300 grand to go to Toronto a few years ago. No, I'm coming back to Winnipeg. And that's that's you just know from your own working life that there's got to be something pretty special for guys to be able to say that over and over again. So let's talk about uh, the odds of the Blue Bombers recapturing the Grey Cup. They're looking to go to the Grey Cup. I think it's the first time in their history uh, for a fourth straight year. Uh, and they're, they're looking to do something, sort of replicate what happened in the late 50s, early 60s, and that's to, to win four and five years. But before you do that, Derek, you've got to win three and four. The odds-on favorite, is it Winnipeg, Hamilton in the Grey Cup in Hamilton in November? Yeah, the, the betting sites would, would say that those are the two favorites, right? Winnipeg, the runaway leader. And then the uh, the Ticats would be number two. Calgary would be very high in that list as well. Yeah, when I look at the rosters, and just now that we're through training camp, when I look at the rosters, I, I just look at this and go, okay, Winnipeg's going to have the best offense in the league. They've got the best quarterback. And to me, the best receiving core, though in that case, Edmonton is right behind them. Uh, they have a suitable running game. Their offensive line is 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 good to excellent in cases. Uh, their defense has playmakers within it, though I don't know how if it's going to be first in the league again this year. Uh, to me, they're they're the favorite in the CFL by a pretty solid margin. Part of it is because I don't entirely know what Hamilton is going to look like with a new quarterback and with new players on defense and and on and on and on. And can they handle the Duke Williams thing that uh, will inevitably erupt this year? That's that's my only question. I look at this, the CFO, and go, Winnipeg, number one with a bullet, Montreal, number nine with a bullet, and everybody else is kind of in the middle there. So, yeah, it's it, it's everything is set up for them to be uh, the West representative in the Grey Cup, dot, 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 if Zach Kolaris remains healthy, because that guy is – he's the difference between the Bombers and every other team in the CFL, in my mind, is every other team who is the second to ninth best quarterback. Well, it's – I could kind of have this guy here and this guy here, but Zach is head and shoulders above the other quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League, and that's that's where it kind of starts, and that's where the Bombers, to me, start, and that the offense will be super-powered this year for as long as Zach is good to go. So it all starts Friday night, IG Field, 7.30 kickoff, 5.30, the pregame coverage on your radio home of the Blue Bombers, 680 CJOB. And uh, Derek, we'll just have to see what happens on Friday night because, you know, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong here, but I think it's going to be a little bit of a feeling out process here because Zach Caleros, yeah, he played a, a good chunk of the first preseason game, didn't play last week. And then you've got Bo Levi Mitchell with a brand new team. And, you know, the speed of the game kicks up a notch once you get to the regular season. Oh, for sure. And, yeah, all the guys who sat out much of the preseason will be back. So it's going to be exciting. But, yeah, a potentially a great cup meeting in the first uh, the first week is pretty good. And, I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell is such an interesting story of he was a dominant player up to about 2018 and then injuries and then whatever happened in Calgary last year as they wanted to transition to Jake Mayer 
kind of makes people go, is is Bo at the lowest point he's been in in a while, or is he is he going to be the second best and push Zach to be the best quarterback in the, in the league? It's uh, yeah, it's it's going to be good. I'm excited for that to be the the home and season opener on Friday. Marissa Turton, her voice is one that you will hear on Blue Bomber broadcasts all season long. Marissa, welcome to the Blue Bomber podcast. What are you doing for Blue Bomber broadcasts? You've been doing them for a couple of years now. Yep, this is my second year of doing Did You Know? I give some little facts about the Bombers and, you know, find the hidden messages or find the hidden storylines that are happening that week that not a lot of people are talking about. Find the Winnipeg connection and uh, do some digging into records and history and every week is different. So we're sort of hoping that when you ask the question, did you know, and when you start going down the path that most people listening didn't know that they're learning something absolutely brand new. Exactly. Um, Because, you know, you hear a lot of the same kind of storylines on, you hear them all the time. You hear a lot of the same storylines, but um, I try and dig and find the storylines that you might not know. Maybe some players have some history in college or maybe... Like last year, there was a defenseman on Montreal who was Zach Kolaris's water boy in high school. So, you know, little little hidden facts like that. What is it that you love about football? You have a passion for so many sports. What is it about the Canadian Football League and the Blue Bombers in particular that you love so much? So the CFL is my true love, and I just... I love the Bombers, but the CFL is my true love. I just love the league. It's so tight-knit, and it's really, I think it's really community-oriented, and you can follow along with everyone, keep up to date with every player, and um, yeah, it's really fun just getting to know everyone and following up with it, and over the years, you think of all these old players, and then sometimes they come up to you years later, and you're like, how did I forget about that guy? And it's just so fun connecting and reminiscing on the past and thinking about the future with other people who are so passionate about the league. Last question for you. Do you remember your very first Winnipeg Blue Bomber game? Well... I remember watching it a lot at home. You know, uh, my parents had season tickets and I would stay at home and watch them. And uh, I don't remember specifically which my fir- what my first game was, but I do remember at the old stadium at Canada and sort of tailgating around the area and then just walking over and there's the sea of blue and everyone's got their horns and their bells and... Um, yeah, I just remember the atmosphere of the old stadium and people stomping on the steel grates on the floors. And, um, yeah, I remember the Kevin Glenn days and I remember when he went to Hamilton and came back for the first time and everyone was screaming at him and everyone was mad. And I was just a little Marissa being like, why are you guys hating on him? I loved this guy. And yeah, I remember, I remember very well. It's, uh, one of the things that I remember from my childhood. I absolutely love it. I wish there was a video component to this podcast because Marissa is absolutely beaming, reliving her experiences at can in Stadium. Marissa, thanks for the passion you bring to the broadcast, to the podcast, and we'll look forward to speaking with you throughout the season. Thanks for having me. Anytime, Greg. That was awesome. As we continue to introduce to you the members of the Blue Bomber broadcast team and frequent contributors on the Blue Bomber podcast, Skylar Peters joins us now, the inventor, the director, writer, producer, the voice of the film room. Skylar, my man, how are you? I am doing fantastic. Yeah, it's a one-man show right now. Not popular enough to uh, prohibit or, uh, I guess, have any other persons joining in. But uh, yeah, it's a one-man band, and this is a fun one. I would suggest, based on how the first two have gone, you don't need any help, and that's part of that's part of the problem of doing a good job. Sometimes is, uh, yeah, I don't think you need anybody else. Well, the the first two were a lot of fun, and uh, they came from some good ideas, thanks to you. And uh, the other one actually came from Kelly Moore, because uh, I, as we kind of go through the season on the film room, I'm going to try to tie in, you know, whatever we're featuring that week to you know the time of year 
the you know the game the banjo bowl i'll certainly be looking for a, a clip from banjo bowls past for example that kind of thing so to get a couple of noteworthy preseason plays in the last couple of years that uh, help shape some some bombers uh you know players that aren't on the bombers roster now but help shape the bombers roster on some championship teams and uh really kickstart some cfl careers for a couple guys in lucky whitehead and chris Trevler. i thought that was a lot of fun so i uh, really looking forward to this week too i'm skyler peters welcome into the film room Today, we continue to look back at meaningful plays before the wins and losses really counted. It's another memorable moment from preseasons past. And like last week with Lucky Whitehead, this play may have cemented one player's spot on the Blue Bombers roster. And on June 1st, 2018, no one, not even Chris Strebler, could have known just how impactful he'd become for the Bombers over the course of his career. Let's take you back to IG Field. 4.46 left on the clock in the third quarter. The Bombers already enjoying a 23-13 lead and the first play of their drive. Strebler going long for Miles White, and he makes nice. the catch, and he's gone. They won't catch him. He's got awesome speed. White for a touchdown for the Blue Bombers. 80 yards covered in just 10 seconds by two players making their CFL debuts that night. Chris Strebler at quarterback, Miles White at receiver. Strebler's clean pocket was collapsing on both sides, but he stood in there, delivering a strike over the top of nearly every Edmonton defender to White on the left hash marks. I knew that play was getting called, running out on the field. Uh, coach told me about it, and, um, you know, it was the perfect look for the play. And, uh, you know, the O-line did a great job, got to, got to step into the pass, and it wasn't a perfect pass, and Miles made a great play and ripped away from the defender and then did the rest. So, Although this night was perhaps our first chance to try to understand the humility of the Bombers quarterback, he was quick to acknowledge everyone's contributions when asked about that play on the post-game show. I probably had the easy job on that play, just holding the free safety and, and get, giving Miles a chance, and he made a great play and you know the whole line did a great job holding up front and giving giving me a chance to step into the pass so you know it's quarterback gets credit but there's a lot of a lot of other moving parts on that play that did awesome Strevler would finish the game a perfect 10 for 10 passing for 140 yards and he also got plenty of opportunities to showcase what us bomber fans likely remember him best for his legs four carries in this game for 37 yards including a long run of 20 yards but perhaps the only negative from that night's performance came at the end of that jaunt. Strebler fumbling the ball at the Edmonton 19-yard line and the Bombers giving up possession. No doubt that made the hopeful backup sick to his stomach. You know, I just got to have better ball security. Coach always harps on that. And, you know, I mean, just, just disappointing that, you know, a play like that where you're making a positive play ends up in a, in a fumble like that. But Coach Mike O'Shea was perhaps surprisingly cool about it after the game. I do like when guys are aggressive and, yeah. and it, these, these type of things are just, um, they're learning experiences. They're nothing to be... Uh, upset about you know i'm sure he's not going to be pleased with it and but look at the film see how you're carrying the ball understand the game situation and and just be be better the next time every high and low matters that much more for people like strevler who come into camp unsure if they're going to make the opening day roster or not one thing we knew for sure that year was the opportunity was there for the taking matt nichols was the no doubt week one starter for the bombers that year but after the surprising retirement of darian durant the backup position was certainly up for grabs, and 82% of CFL fans who answered the poll on the league's website after that game that night thought he did enough to cement his spot on the depth chart. But with one more game still yet to come that preseason, you knew the coach wasn't going to tip his hand. We like our guys. We, we think that they all our quarterbacks can, can process, as Lapo keeps talking about. That means get through their reads and, and run an offense and uh, deliver the ball and, and understand what they're doing. That play turned five years old on Thursday. But if a certain player's performance from just last week jogged your memory, I wouldn't blame you. Just like in 2018, we knew who the Bombers' starting quarterback will be. But take a listen to this and ask yourself if you see the similarities to Strebler in this answer. I was like, be calm. Like, so like that's what I did. And next thing you know, we had a receiver come open. Everybody did their thing. The line had, did a, had a good pass pro. Receivers ran a great route. I just found an open gown that ran my keys. That's Tyrell Pigram talking about his 34-yard second down conversion to Jeremy Murphy on Saturday. Good snap this time. Pigram looking across the middle. Has all the time in the world. Throwing the deep over and is caught by Murphy at the 53-yard line. Second and 27. They appear to have gotten 33 yards. 
It's no secret what the blue and gold hope for in the QBs behind Caleros on the depth chart. You gotta be able to do it with your legs. And the man they call Piggy T also made two trips to the painted grass all on his own. So while we never could have foretold that one play on June 1st would start a strevolution in Winnipeg, maybe we should see it coming this time around. So that's a ton of work. It sounds great. Even uh, my sons love it. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that you're a one-man band. It's obvious as to why there are five or six or maybe more people contributing to this Bomber (laughs) podcast. This is not a solo mission by any stretch. Uh, But we wanted to do this this week just to highlight the strength of the team, the strength of the broadcast team, and the number of individuals who contribute to making this thing tick on 680 CJOB. Because as Bob Irving said once upon a time, it is a cast of thousands. Yeah, it's really incredible, actually. I've been in Winnipeg. This is my fifth summer now, and uh, the Blue Bombers have basically been one of the top teams in the CFL uh, ever since I arrived here in 2019, so it's been awesome for me. And to join CJOB at the time and, you know, as a listener to the pre- and post-game show and the odd Blue Bomber broadcast, even when I was in Brandon, um, to be able to, you know, see how it works behind the scenes. I don't think, you know, many people who maybe listen week in, week out will hear all the different voices, but when you see all the people with Blue Bomber knowledge, like there there's at least twice that in our newsroom here that we can draw on maybe you don't hear those voices on our broadcast all the time but some of those ideas come from those people that kind of thing so it's it's really cool to be a part of this and, and really i think uh, this newsroom is just a microcosm of winnipeg there's so many people that bleed blue and gold right as as you know probably better than anyone gmac that's uh that's the best part about uh, this team this fan base and the canadian football league i mean this happens in basically every one of the cities uh, where there uh, is a team that calls it home I grew up in the West End of Winnipeg. I could see the upper deck, the back of the upper deck of the east side stands of Winnipeg Stadium from my bedroom window. I could hear when the Blue Bombers scored a touchdown when I was listening to the games because I couldn't get to them all. I would hear the cannon and I could hear the excitement, could hear the crowd roar. And so Blue Bomber football is literally part of my blood. It's part of my DNA. But I, like you, also, you grew up in Brandon. I spent four years of my life in Brandon. Mm -hmm. And when I lived there... That was Saskatchewan Rough Rider country <laughs> to a great extent. Has it changed? No, it's, I bet you it's like 60, 40 blue gold. Uh, but there's a lot of green in Brandon for sure. And I, I think it's just kind of, you know, where your bloodlines are. Like I, there's a lot of folks that are from uh, Eastern Saskatchewan, like the Melvilles and the White Courts and all of those, right? And, you know, maybe they land in Brandon. Camsack. Yeah. <laughs> York. Yeah, we can, we can start naming obscure Saskatchewan towns all day. And making fun of how funny their name sounds, but, but we don't don't need to do that. that, that that's, no, they that's, know. that's above us. Or is it below is it? us? <laughs> I heard the pregame broadcast against Saskatchewan last week. I'm not too sure, but uh, I'll abstain anyway. But yeah, it, it's uh, it's a split, which makes it a lot of fun, I think, especially on Labor Day or Banjo Bowl weekend. Um, I mean, a lot of people are just going to those games because you're right in between both the cities, basically, right? Geographically. So, um, But if not, you were probably watching it uh, at somebody's house or maybe at the lake, of course, is that type of year. Um, that time of year and uh, you know and I actually I'm going to admit this now that my father and I defected and uh, we were Edmonton Elks fans uh, and I was an Edmonton Elks fan I'm turning off your microphone here are you joking me right now Peters how long were you an Edmonton fan like my whole life until Until when June 20th 2019 when I started at CJOB I'm like, I can't do this for the station of the blue bombers. I can't cheer for the Elks anymore. And my dad is probably like, I'm slowly pulling him towards the blue and gold, but like our beer fridge at Pelican Lake is like Edmonton elk green and it's got a sticker on it and everything. And there's a flag. I don't know if I've been this hurt in a long time. This is really change. This is this change. You've convinced me that people can change. I think we need to change your dad. We're working on it. But, okay, so before I let you go, what was the impetus for cheering for Edmonton? And and do you remember your first CFL game? Uh, yeah, my first CFL game was at Winnipeg Stadium. It was the Elks versus the Bombers. It actually wasn't with my dad, though. It was with my friend and uh, his dad. But uh, had a lot of fun. Saw the beer snake. And I'm like, oh, what's that? I was like six years old. So haven't contributed to one myself yet but uh, uh yeah that was a lot of fun that was the only game i ever did get to at uh, old winnipeg stadium actually so happy i did see one and uh now i've been to numerous at ig field of course but um 
there were some good times. And I think the, the nice thing about being an Elks fan back then is that you saw Ricky Ray, you saw the dynasties there, and like you saw what a winning culture was kind of like. And then you could also see, like, obviously, I kept an eye on Winnipeg. They're the team, you know, right near us. And that wasn't really there for a lot of years. And that all changed when Mike O'Shea came to town. And, and now Winnipeg is the standard. So I've been very lucky as a CFL fan. I've experienced like seven or eight championships in my 25 years. So, um, but it's all blue and gold now. And, uh, oh man, I'm looking forward to this season. It's, it's just crazy that they've been so good the entire time that I've been here and you can call me a bandwagoner. I mean, I moved to the city. I think that's fair enough for a reason to kind of switch allegiances, but uh, I'll let the crowd decide. I'll just call you our lucky charm henceforth. And that'll help me get over this, this, this ridiculous revelation that I'm processing right now. You have to understand Skylar growing up in Winnipeg, the Blue Bombers had some really good teams in the late 1970s and early 80s, and that was right in the heart, right in the midst of that five-year run by Edmonton, whose nickname was uh, something else at that point in time, five straight Grey Cups. And then all that happened after that was that the Edmonton Oilers then won four Stanley Cups in five seasons, beating the Winnipeg Jets in the playoffs, first of all, just about every single time that they played them. And I think they won at 1.16 or 18 straight playoff games in a row against the Jets. So you have to understand Edmonton sport, Winnipeg sport, the success of the former still sticks in the craw of people of a certain generation. Yes. And I don't blame folks like you at all. And uh, hopefully one day you and my dad can sit down for a beer and I'm, I'm just going to let you guess where his hockey allegiances lie as well. So it's uh, I, it, like, I only get those stories. Right. And, and as you know, a person that's come to Winnipeg, I, you know, listen to you. I listen to like the Richard Cloutiers in the newsroom and they talk about, you know, those times for Winnipeg sports fans. And then I hear like my dad talk about how I was just like Rosie in the eighties, Warren moon, Wayne Gretzky, man, like this is city of champions. And of course, things really changed for them, um, you know, in, in both regards uh, over the last couple of years, for sure. But it's uh, it's so funny to, you know, it's what a 12 hour drive from Brandon to Edmonton. It's two hours from Winnipeg to Brandon. But uh, for some reason, that's where that's where the allegiances led for uh, for so long. So it's uh, it's cool to have all those perspectives and connecting with CFL fans like everywhere. I mean, every team basically has had some level of success, even the Ottawa Red Blacks. You know, they saw a team leave. They saw their team come back. And, and they had some success almost immediately as they got back into the league, winning the great cup. So I thought that was, uh, that was really awesome. And that's, that's one of the seasons that got me right back into the CFL as well. Um, so to see Winnipeg, you know, being the cream of the crop for basically the fourth season, the fifth year, um, since I've been here in Winnipeg is uh, a truly a blessing. And I will take being the lucky charm of the podcast. So, but if things go south this season for any reason, just don't blame me. It's all on you. The film room. Listen to it. Listen for it. And if you have any suggestions, we're basically we're looking for for plays and players that sort of came out of nowhere to a certain extent. Explain it for for those that haven't heard one yet, although they would have just heard one now. Yeah, basically, I'm I'm looking for something that just sticks in the memory of Blue Bomber fans. So for you, it was uh, the Lucky Whitehead 86-yard TD. It was from a preseason game in 2019, but that was kind of Lucky Whitehead's coming out moment in the CFL, all of 21 seconds or whatever it was from, from snap to touchdown. And then last week, we did Chris Streveler, uh, who went 10 for 10 throwing the ball, but also had a great game running the football and uh you know a costly mistake and that was when chris traveler was maybe not a guy that was locked in to make the blue bombers roster in 2018 ended up starting what four games at the start of that season when matt nichols got injured so um and of course strever is, is an absolute legend now in winnipeg so it's just those those very short moments that kind of lead to something much much bigger whether it's you know a, a player that becomes like a winnipeg legend like strevler did or lucky whitehead you know just made a career out of his football talent because maybe if he didn't have that game in Saskatchewan in 2019, you know, he might be doing something else right now. And of course he's going to face the blue bombers. I think a couple of times at IG field with the lions this year. So um, lots of plays. We are going to do one of a current bomber this week. You're going to hear that on the pregame show on Friday night um, and uh, on the sports show next week and our podcast next week as well. So um, there's just so much to get through over the last more. So the last like decade or so that's kind of where the heart of our content is still. Um, but I'm taking some suggestions you know as far back as you can remember if i can find the play if i can find some people talking about it then uh, i'm definitely looking forward to doing it on the film room this season here's the challenge i think it's the 1981 
Labor Day game, Richard Crump was the running back for the Blue Bombers, and he reels off a 103-yard touchdown run against Saskatchewan. And it's one of the first plays, first specific plays, uh, that I remember referring to over and over again. So uh, maybe we can uh, work on that for, for Labor Day, uh, find some audio of that. Skylar, thanks for this, and, and thanks for the contribution uh, throughout the season. I, I have nothing but confidence in you. Thank you. I got two it's and a half months a, to... It's shaking a little bit based on this Edmonton stuff, but I think we'll be all right. Well, I'm just thankful there are more Blue Bombers plays that are noteworthy over the last four years than Edmonton Elks plays. If I was at 6.30, Ched trying to do the same thing, I think it'd be a little bit tougher right now. So we're all in the right spot, GMAC. Thanks for uh, making me a part of this coverage. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to be back with this podcast and returning it to the heights it once was before uh, COVID-19. So awesome being here. I don't care what the cost is. Nick Dembski. Kalaus for Dembski. The five and a touchdown. Dylan Mitchell's going to get one on Winston Rose. Going deep for Mitchell on Rose. Got in the 20 and he's going to walk into the end zone. You know what I've learned about CFL fantasy football is that it makes me hate players. Kamar Jordan, I don't know anything about him, but I hate him now. A big part of sport these days, and I think it started with baseball. I'm not sure, but the first guys I knew that were playing fantasy sports were playing fantasy baseball, Derek Taylor, and that goes way back into the 1990s when you could buy packs of cards exclusively made uh, for playing fantasy baseball. You sort of had to stock up every year, but now with technology, technology isn't always our friend, but it is our friend when it comes to playing fantasy sport. Yes. Yeah. I remember being in baseball leagues way back when, but yeah, baseball's where it started and every other team, every other sport went, well, you know what? We need to jump on this thing. And now it's enormous and it's in the CFL and it's been here for a few years and uh, it's at CJOB once again. Very excited. The CFL has a new platform for its fantasy football, uh, new prices for for players, and uh, we have a league at CJOB that even maybe Greg Mackling joins this year. Well, I joined last year, but here's what here's what stymied me or kind of messed me up. I didn't realize I had to set my lineup every single week. <laughs> Because I'm, Every week. I am not a fantasy veteran, and so I missed setting my lineup one week, and I went, well, I guess I'm out of the running now. So it's gamezone.cfl.ca. I will be joining, but just talk about just, just high-level stuff here because uh, this is something that any fan can get involved with. You're picking players. Obviously, you're picking players that you think are going to do the most on the field, and then those players uh, reward you with points, but the better they do throughout the season the more money they cost you correct exactly so yeah uh first up is gamezone.cfl.ca you search up 680 cjob you join uh mackling doug brown and myself in the cjob fantasy league and you compete with us and there'll be trash talking and if you win that week we'll mention you on the broadcast and we'll savage uh doug and myself when we make terrible picks but yeah you go in there it's now a seventy thousand dollar salary cap and play and player salaries have been adjusted you pick a defense, a quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, and then you get a flex position, which can be a back or a receiver, and you fill out your roster to the $70,000 salary cap. This year, you have to fill out every spot on the roster, it appears. You used to be able to leave empty spots. That's apparently no longer a thing, so you got to fill out the whole roster with players that you think are going to have great games that week. So I was looking at my week one roster, and I thought, I can have Tyrell Pigram, the Bombers' third-string quarterback, Piggy T, for five grand. Interesting. Carlton Agadosi is quite cheap. Ooh, very interesting. So you then you figure out just who's going to score a bunch of points. Do you think the Montreal Alouettes are going to be awful? Okay, well, I'm going to look at some Ottawa Red Blacks and take that. Do you think uh, Winnipeg and Hamilton is going to be a super high-scoring game? All right, well, here's a little Dalton Schoen and some Zach Kalaros, and I might as well... Uh, take a flyer on Tim White of the Hamilton Tiger Cats or maybe James Butler. You pick your roster, you get your points, and then, yeah, week by week we have winners. We have an overall season winner. The CFL has prizes as well. Our prize will be mostly in applause and praise from the Hall of Famer Doug Brown and myself, but uh, it's 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 a bunch of fun, and it's a chance to show up. Hey, I, you know what? I think I know some stuff about the CFL or or, you know what, just take a whole roster of blue and gold because you, you feel like you want to support the team. That's good, too. 
that's probably something that I would do and, and something I do on a regular basis because this is the thing. This is the one thing that has me sort of anti-fantasy sports, Derek Taylor. It's the idea that I'm sitting watching a Canadian Football League game with a diehard Blue Bomber fan, but because they've got a Saskatchewan Rough Rider in their fantasy and Saskatchewan scores a touchdown in the Banjo Bowl, they're okay with the idea of the Blue Bombers going down 6 nothing. I can't stomach that. Yeah, it, fantasy and gambling kind of gets you to divide your loyalties <laughs> if you want. You know, it'd be it, you, but you could set up the ultimate no lose scenario, right? Hey, if the Bombers win, I feel great. But if the other team does oh, really boy. well, I've got half their team in fantasy, so it it works out for me both ways. I'm oh, a winner, baby. Reverse psychology. I don't know, Derek Taylor. We'll have to see. Oh, there, that's possible too. Cameron Poitras, the voice of sports on 680 CJOB, Monday through Friday, 625, 725, 825, 925, and co-host of Jets at Noon with Jim Toth. And Cameron, I know the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are a pretty big deal in your life. Yeah, they they really are. Um, I grew up in an era with, with, with no Jets, right? And so they left when I was, you know, five or six years old, and we were living out in the Sunshine Coast in BC. So, I, I think I went to one game at Old Winnipeg Arena when I was a kid because I, 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 I seem to remember a game against the Detroit Red Wings or something like that, and like a va- way, way, way back, uh, must have been sitting on my dad's lap or something like that. So I kind of grew up uh, with just sort of the Bombers, um, and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Greg. Maybe struggle breeds uh, love with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because for my lifetime, I mean, the last Great Cup they won was in '90. I was born in '91, and then up until 2019, there was no Great Cup victory, so it was a long haul. Um, but still, love the Bombers for every second. You and I have that love of the Chicago Cubs in common, so maybe it's just a Winnipeg thing. We lovable losers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's got to be something like that. Um, yeah, my my Chicago Cubs. Uh, twenty sixteen was a was a special year for me. Um, I watched every game there, but you know, I yeah, I love baseball. So the Canadian Football League, uh, just you know, some people will will talk about it as struggling, fledgling. A hundred and six years later, the idea that Canadian football still trying to gain traction in some of the bigger markets in the CFL, but here in Winnipeg, it really is part of the culture. Yeah, I was at the uh, I was at the game, uh, uh, the preseason game, which had a great crowd, I think almost twenty five thousand for a preseason game. But there were some people that I was there with that were from out of town, and they were kind of you know sitting there going like, "Geez," or uh, living in town now, but had from other places, and they were kind of shocked at what a preseason game in, in Winnipeg looks like in the Canadian Football League. Um, it's the it's I I for I'm not sure why it is, Greg, that. Um, when it came to, when it comes to the prairies, it sort of became the heart and soul of the Canadian Football League. And as you know, and going back to sort of the financial struggles back in the uh, you know many years ago, it, it seems like things have completely reversed itself from from with the Riders, um, you know, with 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 the Bombers back in the day, the financial issues and all that. Of course, the the the, the phone ins to save the Riders and stuff like that in Saskatchewan. Uh, it was Toronto and and BC and and those markets that were really really carrying water for the Canadian Football League, but that, that's sort of changed now. But I think it's turning around. I think there's great new ownership um, in BC. Montreal, I think, is going to really start gaining traction too as well because I think there's an understanding that um, there needs to be a change in how these things are done. Now, David Braley saved the Canadian Football League. There's no doubt about it. He was a fantastic owner for what he did. But uh, uh, Owning two teams? Hello? Yeah, the BC Lions and the Argonauts. Um, but this things got a little stale. Um, and so while, while understanding that Braley, you know, saved two franchises in, in the CFL and his love of the game kept it going, uh, there needs to be a new, uh, some, some new ideas and some new changing of the guard. And, I, and I, I, it, can, it can work. There was like this understanding that it can't work, but it 100% can. So that's just an example of a Cam Poitras hot take. That's what you'll have in store for us on the broadcast all this season. Yeah, Derek. Uh, Derek approached me to to do something on the show. Uh, knows I'm a I'm a big bomber fan, and he wants to uh, grab more people from from the station and and at Glo- our friends at Global News as well. And so, yeah, more than happy to do that. I'll be uh, uh, providing uh, three hot takes from my little uh, 
my little trunk of hot takes. I don't know. That doesn't make much sense, but uh, I, I promise I'll do better during the broadcast. Uh, but no, it's going to be it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I got lots of opinions about the Canadian Football League. I love the league. It's my favorite league. Like I love it more uh, than the NHL or anything like that. I, I love the CFL. I watch more CFL than than probably anything outside of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, you know, because my winters are so focused on that, it's very difficult for me to you know sit down and watch any other hockey game. So, but when it comes to the CFL, I, I watch almost every single game. So, uh, really excited about that. You mentioned your first National Hockey League game that you may have been at, you may have not been at, depending on uh, on the uh, on the accuracy of your uh, memory as a as a four or five year old sitting on your dad's lap. But do you remember your first Canadian Football League game? Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, it was at Canad Inns. They were taking on the Montreal Alouettes. My dad had season tickets, um, and uh, it was it was a real special day because uh, I, I, I got to go, and there, it was a time when the Bombers and the Alouettes were just, Anthony Calvillo was with the Alouettes at the time, and the Bombers had a really, really good year. Um, and uh, I remember going, some of the things I remember is take, going to Hooters beforehand, which was a lot of fun. It was nothing I really got to do otherwise, except uh, with my dad and his buddies at the football game. And we took the bus to the stadium and just singing those songs. I'd rather be a bomber than, than I can't keep going. But uh, that fun stuff on the bus, I just, I just remember that and sitting in the stands and, um, uh, I, I just remember, you know, being right behind the, the away team's bench and just, uh, yelling stuff at the opponents and at, and at the Alouettes and the guys around me were saying such funny stuff. I remember I was just laughing and it, memories like that carry with you your whole entire life. And yeah, it's part of why I'm a bomber fan. Cam Poitras, appreciate what you do every single morning, every single day here at CJOB. Great to have you as part of the broadcast team for blue bomber football. Thanks a lot, Greg. Appreciate it. So that's it for the first episode of the reimagined relaunched blue bomber podcast with a cast of thousands to borrow a phrase from Bob Irving. Don't forget to download, subscribe, and share the Blue Bomber podcast. And also, in case you didn't already know, Monday night's Coaches Show with Derek Taylor and Mike O'Shea will be automatically uploaded to the Blue Bomber podcast. So if you want to catch a rerun of that or catch it and listen to it at your leisure, you can do so by subscribing to the Blue Bomber podcast. We will recap this week's game next week and look ahead to week two in the Canadian Football League, focusing on, of course, your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Greg Mackling on behalf of Derek Taylor, Marissa Turton, Cameron Poitras, and Skylar Peters, thank you for spending some time with us.